There's no question that the Miami Hurricanes football roster is getting better than where it was a year ago, but in certain areas, the depth is still a long way away. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today and happy Friday. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. We're opening up the mailbag today, football, and we will be talking basketball on this episode because, yeah, the Canes open up their NCAA tournament tonight, 7.25 p.m., five-seed Miami against 12-seed Drake. Got to avoid that upset. The upset bug has been out there. Don't ask Arizona about that. Uh, But we get a question from Joseph Jones who says, hey, what's the deal with wide receivers and defensive tackle? We have no commits, he says. And yeah, it's early, but I don't think we have a top seven class again next season unless we have a really good season on the field. Well, you nailed it, Joseph, with the last part. Better you are on the field, the more it's going to help recruiting. Mario Cristobal pulled a rabbit out of his hat by getting a top seven class last year, despite five and seven on the field. I don't know if you'll be able to replicate that if you're not better on the field this year. So with wide receiver recruiting... That one to me is easier to figure out why things have been a bit slow, okay? Why Miami didn't get a lot of their top targets in the 2023 cycle. And we'll talk about the 2024 cycle because that's coming along here a little bit. But as far as what Miami's missed out on so far at receiver, it's not that hard to figure out. Miami's offense was both bad and boring last year. And the passing game was not effective. And the passing game was coma-inducing when you watched it, okay? So... If you're a top receiver like Brandon Innes last year, you know, you're a home area kid. Uh, I'm sure he would have loved to have stayed home in Miami if he felt the situation was great. He found a really good situation, at least in his mind, with Brian Hartline at Ohio State, uh, that he would have loved to have stayed home. But, you know, after what Miami did on the field last year under Josh Gaddis, you can understand why the Hakeem Williamses and the Brandon Innes's of the world, the five stars in the area thought, eh, I don't know if I can gamble on my future for a team that is offensively challenged and scores 19.4 points per game. Okay. And yeah, you've got Shannon Dawson in now uh, and Kevin Beard in, but Beard has been here for like two weeks and Shannon Dawson has been here for like four or five weeks. So they're, they're still playing catch up in the recruiting game, right? Miami was behind in wide receiver recruiting and now Beard and Dawson are having to play catch up. Having Beard is going to be huge because not only is he a former Canes wide receiver and a national championship winner, but he's a really good coach and he's a very active recruiter. He's got a very good reputation as a recruiter. So My hope is that wide receiver recruiting is going to pick up. And I think we're already seeing signs that it's picking up. Miami seems to be, and there's a long way to go because none of these guys have committed yet, but Miami seems to be in a good spot with four-star Chance Robinson out of St. Thomas Aquinas, 
who really feels a great connection with Kevin Beard. I talked to Chance about it personally a couple of weeks ago. I had the chance to interview him. I think Miami's in a really good spot for Chance Robinson. I think Miami's in a good spot with JoJo Trader, five-star out of Chaminade. You know, his teammate, five-star Jeremiah Smith out of Chaminade is, yeah, currently committed to Ohio State there. So there's a long way to go, but Miami's never going to stop pushing for Jeremiah Smith. Uh, but again, I, I thought that you hit the nail on the head with one of the first things you said was Miami has a better season on the field. If Tyler Van Dyke finds his 2021 form, if the offensive line gives that offense actually time to get plays going and the wide receivers get more involved, that's going to help Miami. I think the possibility of this air raid offense in the passing game is going to make Miami more attractive to some of these wide receivers. You've got good coaches and recruiters in place now recruiting that position. I think things are going to be looking up at wide receiver. Defensive tackle, it's been a bit more puzzling. And listen, sometimes it's it's harder to find like elite defensive tackles. It's kind of a premium position. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Miami's defense has not been like the problem that their offense was last year. Not that the defense was great last year. A lot of people assume, and I don't know if this is fair, but a lot of people assume that Big Joe Salavea is just not a very good recruiter, you know, being the uh, the interior defensive line coach. I mean, technically this year, he and Jason Taylor have the same title, defensive line coach and defensive line coach. A lot of people have tried to put a spotlight on Big Joe saying he's not recruiting well enough at that position. I don't know if that's fair, but he's going to need to step it up. And yeah, I think elevating Jason Taylor from analyst to the coaching staff is going to help. Of course, Jason Taylor, probably his bigger contribution will be recruiting defensive ends because that's what he played at a Hall of Fame level. But I think he can absolutely help you recruit defensive tackles, too. So it's been a little bit more puzzling why Miami has just not been able to get more or keep more defensive tackles. Uh, the wide receiver thing is easier to figure out. I'm hoping both of those things can improve here. Uh, we get a question from Terry in the Pines who says, what will be Miami's biggest priorities when the transfer portal opens again? Ah, yes, early May. After spring football is in the books, the portal opens up again, so players all around the country will be entering the portal. Miami might even, we'll see. Miami might lose a few more guys in the portal. We'll see how spring football shakes out before we make any judgments on that. So here's the thing, and this is why I opened the episode saying that Miami depth wise is a long way away in certain areas, right? Because yeah, I think you're, you've been injected with really nice depth at the offensive line and at defensive end, for example. Uh, but there's a lot of other areas where Miami has quality, but they don't have a lot of quantity. Now to me, priority number one to address in the portal here before next season, it's wide receiver. That's priority number one. We know Miami is pushing hard for USC transfer Gary Bryant Jr., who would give us a huge boost if he arrives here. He's a little bit shorter, but he's capable of playing outside receiver. He's a burner. He's a playmaker. Uh, he would add a huge spark to Miami's offense. So Miami, my understanding has been over the last week or so that with Gary Bryant, who's going to decide probably at the end of this month, that's what his father said, Miami's competing with Texas A&M and Oregon for him. There's a rumor out there that Bryant didn't make it to his Oregon visit. So if that's true, that might mean, might mean they're eliminated from contention. And that could mean good news 
for Miami and Texas A&M, hopefully just Miami, who are the other schools who seem to be in the running. He hasn't made a Texas A&M visit yet. He's supposed to do that this month, so we'll see if that one happens or not. Seems like Miami's in a pretty good spot for Gary Bryant. Um, a lot of people ask me about Alabama transfer Tyler Harrell. I think he's still hanging around in the portal, but I've had a hard time getting information on him. I haven't heard much chatter about Tyler Harrell in a couple of months, so I'm not sure where Miami or anyone else stands for him, quite frankly, but I think he is still in the transfer portal. Uh, so wide receiver is a big one. I think you need to, to try to get at least one outside receiver in the portal. Um, honestly, adding another safety would be nice. Miami's really thin at the safety position. Defensive tackle. Yeah, we did get two guys in the portal who I like in Thomas Gore and Branson Dean, who are both getting starters reps so far in spring because most of Miami's defensive tackles are out with minor injuries. So it's a big opportunity for Gore and Dean to step up. Uh, but that position, I think that position needs to pack more of a punch. Miami's still pretty thin at defensive tackle. Uh, I'm not exactly sure who's going to fill the shoes of Daryl Jackson, who had a really good year last year. Now he plays for Florida State, which annoys me, but it is what it is. I would not mind adding, even on the offensive line where Miami's very strong, I don't mind solidifying a strength. This is not the NFL where you have a salary cap and you shouldn't spend more on certain positions. Like, I see no problem with Miami adding another offensive lineman to make that unit even better because a former Houston player is in the transfer portal. Houston guard Cameron Johnson, he started for the Cougars. He's in the portal. He played for Shannon Dawson. So hopefully there could be some smoke there uh, because, yeah, Miami has made quality additions there in Javion Cohen, one of the best guards in the country last year. Matt Lee, one of the best centers in the country last year. I would not mind adding another interior offensive lineman into that mix, especially a guy who uh, is proven and knows what it's like to play for Miami's current offensive coordinator. So that would be interesting. I would also I would take a veteran quarterback if Miami can get one. I don't think that's a dire need, but it's definitely a need, right? Fill out that quarterback room, somebody with a couple years experience. So I, I don't expect them to bring in someone who would be like good enough to compete with Tyler Van Dyke, but bring in someone who can compete with Jakari Brown for the backup job. Okay. That I would not mind whatsoever because you know, losing Jake Garcia, it hurt your numbers at quarterback. Miami's linebacker room is young. Getting a guy with a couple years of experience there could help. I mean, Francis Maui Goa was a very good addition, yes, but it's still a young linebacker's room overall. I'm also open to bringing in another running back, okay? For as much as we talk about the potential and possibilities in Miami's running back room, keep this in mind. You're relying heavily on two guys coming off serious injuries in Travante Citizen, who's still not back yet from his ACL and Don Chaney who's healthy right now but you knock on wood that he stays healthy and then you're also going to be relying on a couple of incoming true freshmen who are not early enrollees so they're not around yet and Mark Fletcher and Chris Johnson and then Henry Parrish is the most like stable of those guys you get some nice walk-ons I mean Terrell Walden Michael Perino but you know Miami's not going to want to have to depend on walk-ons in the rotation the way that they had to do with Lucius Stanley last year that was not a good situation so you know, considering how much injury trouble and youth you have at running back, I think you could absolutely add a veteran running back to that room. So those are the areas that I would prioritize in the transfer portal. Uh, we're going to talk about potential future quarterback one after Tyler Van Dyke and 
RB1 this year? Is it as simple as Henry Parrish is your running back one and then everything else will be decided behind him? Or is there going to be competition for that starting running back spot? And yes, we will talk some hoops because the Hurricanes, I'm nervous. I got all the butterflies. Miami versus Drake tonight. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And yeah, my friends, oh, the madness. The madness is upon us in March. We're past the midway point of the NBA season. This really is the perfect time to download FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book. New customers get what they call a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So you have nothing to lose with that first bet. It's like a freebie. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. And then from there, you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. So Miami are one-and-a-half-point favorites tonight against Drake, minus 130 on the money line. So keep that in mind. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more later in the episode. I'm expecting Norchad Omir to give it a go tonight. So that may affect the way you guys approach this matchup from a betting standpoint. Uh, we're going to talk about that later on in the episode. So do not miss your first your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Get a question from We Always Win. I like that. Oh, and by the way, let me remind you guys uh, where these questions are coming from. Because like, who are these faceless, nameless people asking you quite well? Nameless. These guys usually have nicknames. Who are these people? So you can tweet the show at Locked on Canes. And if you follow us at Locked on Canes, we will follow you back. We love building that community. So let's get to another question. This is from We Always Win, who says, okay, let's say Don Chaney wins running back one and can stay healthy. Can he be the next elite Hurricanes running back? Uh, there are a lot of ifs in that question, We Always Win. <laughs> there, but if I play along with your hypothetical, yes. If Don Chaney can stay healthy uh, and become running back one, then – I think he can have a monster year. And I even said it, one of my bold predictions earlier this week was, uh, I think Chaney can end up Miami's leading rusher this year. And I say that because he is a complete running back. Strong, powerful, explosive, quick, really good hands, um, instinctive. This is something that really stood out about Chaney coming out of high school is he's got really good vision and he's a patient runner. Like, he's got the type of patience. I'm not necessarily comparing the players, but I remember, you know, watching Willis McGahee 20 years ago, how patient he was in seeing holes develop, and then he would hit and explode into those. Uh, I, I can see Chaney doing the same thing. So, yeah, if healthy, I would say Trevante Citizen and Don Chaney, if they're both healthy, then those could be Miami's top two running backs next year. I think that they, from – just a body standpoint and a characteristic standpoint. I think that those are Miami. They have the top two potential for next year. Mark Fletcher has a lot of potential for the future as well. And, you know, with Chaney, we've seen it before, but it's been a couple of years, okay? The last time he had a healthy season was his first year, 2020, uh, before all the injuries started to pile up. 4.7 yards per carry, 68 carries that year, 
three touchdowns, scored, had 11 catches for 143 yards. So he does a little bit of everything and a lot of everything. So, yeah, there's a lot of ifs there. If he can win the starting running back job and if he can stay healthy, I think he can be great. Um, It's probably safe to assume at this time. Uh, And, you know, we don't give Henry Parrish enough respect on this show. And I feel terrible about that. And you know why we don't give Henry Parrish enough respect? He's so consistent (laughs) that he hasn't given us enough reasons to talk about him, right? We talk a lot about the guys who get injured. Like, what if he wasn't injured? What can he do if healthy? Henry Parrish, this guy stays healthy. He goes out there. He totes the rock. He puts up consistent performances. We don't give Henry Parrish nearly enough credit. I'm I feel bad for disrespecting Mr. Parrish. We love you here on Locked on Canes, I promise, okay? And listen, Henry Parrish, he's been, you know, the starting running back so far in spring football, and he's probably going to end up being the opening game starter as well, unless just something crazy happens with Trevante Citizen getting healthy and just Don Chaney staying healthy and putting it all together. But I do want to give more respect to Henry Parrish. Get a question from our pal Chalupa Batman who says, this is a bit down the road, but I thought it was an interesting one. If Tyler Van Dyke leaves after this season, do you think it's automatically Jakari Brown's starting job, or will there be an open competition between him, Emery Williams, and an incoming freshman like Aaron Nolan, Luke Moga, or A.J. Hairston? To answer that, Chalupa, when Tyler Van Dyke leaves, it's an open competition. Absolutely. It's going to be like a fight for survival. It's going to be like the Hunger Games at Green Tree, okay? Now, Emery Williams, at that point, he's going to have a year of experience under his belt, okay? Uh, That's who I expect to be Jakari Brown's primary competition. I guess it's possible that a true freshman could come on and just be so dynamic he could compete. I don't know about that. Uh, As long as you have a little bit of depth in front of a true freshman. And there, by the way, there might be two quarterbacks in the next class I think Miami might double up there but I I think it's going to be primarily Emory Williams with a year under his belt against Jakari Brown who's going to have two years under his belt at that point that's going to be the competition to watch and it's going to be really really interesting because the offense is going to look different in 2024 depending on which one of those guys is the starter okay because for Emory Williams the edge that he has is in his accuracy as a thrower and his quick release okay whereas Jakari we already know the advantages he has his athleticism his ability to run so it it'd probably be a pretty darn different playbook depending on which one of those guys wins the starting job so you know uh, I I don't expect Emory Williams to ever be a super mobile quarterback but I, I watched enough of his high school tape that he's He's got escapability, and he's got more athleticism than you would think for like a prototypical pocket passer. He can't do what Jakari Brown can do, though, running the football. But Jakari Brown can't do what Emery can do throwing the football. So that's going to be a super interesting competition coming up. All right, we're going to have on the other side not only a hoops update, because Miami will open up their tournament at 7.25 p.m. tonight, but we've also got an update on the – brand spanking new athletic facilities that Miami is looking to build. So what you're going to want to do is, folks, you're going to want to keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Guys, the built March Madness bracket is here. We know you all have a favorite bar or puff. Now's the time to make it count. 
Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know, I'm going to be voting for the Cookie Dough Chunk Puff. That's my favorite Built Bar. And if you want the Canes to win the tournament, you'll be voting for your favorite bar as well. Support your team, support your bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite Built Bar or puff, you're going to be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked-on listeners will win a free box of Built. That's, that's a great deal, guys. Not only that, but one locked-on fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. That's a huge prize. you got to try Built. Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing. You're not going to think that they're good for you, but they are. What makes Built bars and puffs so good? Well, for starters, they're all high in protein, low in sugar, covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. I'll be rooting for the cookie dough chunk puff, but you know what? There's so many good bars and puffs. Whoever wins, we all win. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Make sure you check out our network's brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. It's a great show. Everything you need, need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So, a quick facilities update for football. You know, that new $100 million athletic facility design we've talked about on this show? It's finally been officially approved by the city of Coral Gables. I... I thought it had been approved already, but I guess whatever happened previously was not officially official. So it's now actually approved by the city of Coral Gables. So we're soon going to see construction start on the extension of the indoor practice field because Miami only actually has 70 yards on the indoor field. We're going to get that to 100. Thank goodness. Going to have new offices for coaches and staff new locker rooms for the players, new treatment centers, all the cold tubs and the the saunas and all that. They're even going to have podcast rooms there. Sheesh, can I reserve a podcast room? I wouldn't mind going in there. Like if and if I see if I get a podcast room there, if I see Cristobal walking down the hallway, I'm just going to like forcefully pull him into the podcast room. We're going to do interviews every day. Like I I'm I'm going to get I'm going to make the most out of that. Please get me a podcast room, guys. Um, there's going to be a giant new parking garage and all the other bells and whistles that are going to come with it. So the facilities have been approved. All right, my friends, we are going to talk more about it throughout the night. We're going to have like so many locked on episodes today. You're not even going to know what to do with all of them. I mean, listen to them and watch all of them, but we're just, we're going to be coming at you like from all angles today. Miami does have their big matchup against Drake tonight, 725 PM hurricanes, the five seed Drake bulldogs, 12 seed, uh, I'm nervous. I'm anxious, right? Because March, anything can happen, right? You saw what Princeton did. Uh, you saw what happened to Virginia yesterday. Anything can happen in March. Miami, I mentioned this, one and a half point favorites and minus 130 on the money line. Now, yesterday, the Hurricanes had a practice on the court there at MVP Arena. And once again, we saw Norchad Omir on the court moving around well, even dunking the basketball. Uh, it's been confirmed he suffered a grade two ankle sprain. Now, just based on what he's done the last couple days, him moving around the practice court in Miami on Wednesday, taking some shots, and then on Thursday, 
He was at MVP arena moving around pretty well. Like you can, you can tell he's favoring the ankle. Like I don't look at Norchad. I'm like, he looks completely healthy. You could tell he's favoring the ankle. There's no question about it, but just based on how much he's been moving around and how he's been working 10 hour days with the training staff for the last week, just to try to get healthy for this matchup, just my opinion, but I expect Omir to be available tonight. Coach L has spoken very cautiously this week about Omir's ankle, but that makes total sense, right? Because if Coach L talks about, oh, no, he's doing great, then you put so much more pressure on Omir and you set yourself up to fail. Whereas if you really talk about how serious the injury is this week, then anything he does is a bonus, okay? So I think the question is going to be, because I expect Omir to be available tonight, will he start... Or will he be ready on the bench if needed? And six foot nine Anthony Walker could start in his place. That might be the right way to do it, guys. Because just based on the matchup with Drake, um, I'm not saying Omir isn't important, but I think he's going to be more important in the second round if you can get there, uh, where either Kent State or Indiana would be your opponent in the round of 32. I think Omir is going to be more needed in that second matchup. So I. You know, I'm not Coach L, believe me. Uh, I can't do that man's job the way that he can. But I, I think it might be wise to have Omir start on the bench and then use him situationally if you really need him, if necessary, because you don't want him to tweak anything or worsen his injury before the next round. Have him on standby to see how things play out. You know, I was watching some of the pregame picks. Seth Greenberg was on ESPN this morning. And he said it flat out. In his opinion, if Norchad plays, Miami wins. If Omir doesn't play, Drake will win, he says. I'm not sure I agree with that. But obviously, without Omir, Miami loses his dynamic shot blocking and they lose his 9.7 rebounds per game. So if he doesn't play or if he's limited tonight, I expect Miami to play really fast, uh, test Drake with their pace, and if the Canes can get their three-point shooting going with Pack, Wong, Miller, Wuga stepping up, hitting big shots, then it's going to be a long night for Drake. Like, Miami can absolutely win this game without Norchad Omir. It's just going to be more difficult to do so. But I think Jim Laranega is going to adjust and turn this game into a track meet, and that's probably the recipe for success. And then, you know, whoever wins tonight, whether it's Miami or Drake, they're going to play the winner of uh, – uh, four seed Indiana and 13 seed Kent State. They're going to play a late night one. I'm not going to lie to you. I might wake up to see the result of that game. 9.55 start. I'm in bed by like 10.30, bros. I don't know if I'm going to stay up to watch. I might have to because I'm going to be so curious as to, you know, if Miami loses tonight, I will not watch Kent State versus Indiana. I'm going to be like depressed and like listening to like loud music or something. But if Miami does win tonight, I'm probably going to stay up late enough to see who the opponent's going to be. And that's going to do it for us. We're going to be back for sure this afternoon with John Garcia Jr. talking Canes football recruiting. And we're going to do something tonight after Miami versus Drake. Fingers crossed we're going to be doing something positive, not negative. So we will talk to you guys later on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.